Welcome to the first official episode of But You Don't Look Sick. I thought today was pretty fitting to release the first episode of this podcast because exactly one year ago, I was sitting in a very large conference room waiting to hear the words I already knew were coming. You have breast cancer. So I guess in order to know what the last year has been like, you have to know how it all began. So for me, I found my own lump. I think that that's an important piece to anyone's puzzle when they find out that they have breast cancer is how exactly it came about. And for me, we had just moved to Savannah. Um, I just turned 30. And about three weeks later, Chris had to go to the field, which in army terms, that that is like going away for training. And he was going to be gone for five weeks. So we had just moved to this new place. I knew no one. My family does not live close. My family's from Vegas. Chris's family lives in New Jersey and Philadelphia. So no friends, no family. We're just kind of doing our normal thing. Being apart and just kind of living the army life is something that we are very used to at this point. But I had just weird health things that started to happen. And I should... I should warn you that this is going to get a little crazy before, I don't know, before it starts to make any sense, if it will even make sense, but it's going to sound really crazy at first. So I had a vein in my knee blowout. It was just weird. I don't even know how it happened. It's something that is still completely unexplained at this point, but I had this vein in my knee that just blew out. It was just huge. The vein, my whole entire knee and my thigh was completely bruised. I don't know why it happened or how it happened or anything. Um, Of course, I couldn't tell Chris at that time because he didn't have his phone or anything like that. So I told my mom, I sent her a picture of my leg and she automatically Googled like what that could be. And can we just stay away from Google, even though as I tell this, we even Googled crazy things, but Google's just a scary place when it comes to medical advice. So my mom automatically started to get scared. It could be a blood clot. It could be this. It could be that. And I was just kind of like, oh, that's just so crazy. That's, that is crazy. Well, I, I just kind of monitored it and I just went about my daily life. And then a couple days later, my knee wasn't getting any better. It was the bruising was getting worse. And all of a sudden I woke up with just shortness of breath. My back was hurting like in between my shoulder blades and I just could not take a deep breath. So I started to get scared, of course, and I loaded all four kids up and we went to the quick care. (laughs) I didn't know what to do at this point. I've never had any type of medical scares or anything. I think the last time I had been to the doctor for any type of sickness was like years and years and years ago. So we load up, we go to the quick care. I tell them what's going on. And they, the doctor looked at me, he took my blood pressure and he said, we need, we're going to do an EKG. And he said, um, you know, we're going to probably have to transport you to the hospital because you're having a cardiac episode. I said, what does that mean? Like, I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to have a heart Like, what does that mean? I have all four kids with me. Chris is in the field. 
And so I'm just freaking out. And he said, is there anybody you can call to take your kids and we can transport you by ambulance? I said, I'm not leaving my kids. That's no, that's not going to happen. So if I'm going to have a heart attack, I'm just going to have one right here. And he looked at me like I was nuts. I said, my husband's in the field. And he said, you need to call him out or you need to get him a Red Cross message. I said, I'm not sending a Red Cross message. Like that just seems so dramatic. So I said, let me just call his phone or text him and see if he even picks up. I thought it was a long shot, but I did it. I called him and I never call or text Chris at work unless it is an actual emergency. Um, So I called and he picked up and he, I don't know if he just couldn't hear me. So he was talking very loud and he said, Hey, what's going on? What's wrong? I said, you're not going to really believe this, but I said, I'm at the quick care. They think I'm having a cardiac episode. Is there any way you can get here because they want to transport, they want to transport me to the hospital. Chris is like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I just said, here, just talk to the doctor because I feel like I'm just going to have a panic attack at this point. Um, and the doctor told him everything and Chris said, okay, give me 45 minutes and I'll be there. I don't know where he pulled 45 minutes out of because he was like deep in a training area. But somehow, some way, he got to me in 45 minutes, took me to the hospital, and they did a whole cardiac workup. I'm telling you, trust me, there's a point to this. <laughs> like it, All the pieces start to make sense. Just give me a minute. Um, so we go... And they do everything. I mean, they are doing all these tests, all these blood tests. They come back and whatever blood test they gave me said that there was a blood clot present. So what that means was that they wanted to do um, a CT scan. So I had a CT scan done and it came back with no sign of a blood clot. So they said your body might have absorbed it or passed it or something. But the blood test says there was a blood clot present. There's no longer a blood clot there now. So I said, okay, great. So I'm good to go home. So I go home that night and I'm just so tired. The day was just so eventful and dramatic and everything that I just knocked out. And Chris stayed home with me that night um, and was just going to go back out to the field the next morning. So in the middle of the night, and this is where it gets really crazy, and I swear to you, I have only told probably three people this, so now I'm just going to say it to a bunch of strangers, but whatever. Um, in the middle of the night, I just wake up, and I sit directly up in my bed, and I had a dream, a very vivid dream that I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I lifted up my left arm, and I gave myself a self-breast exam. I I'm not known to do this. I think I've maybe given myself an actual breast exam, like maybe once before this. I don't even know. I always just relied on my doctor to do it once a year or whenever I saw them. So this was completely out of the norm. And I'm feeling around and all of a sudden I feel a lump. Now at this point, I'm just like completely just still in a daze. I think I've I'm thinking, am I still asleep? Like, I don't know what's happening, but I get scared and I just am like, okay, I just got to go back to sleep. Like, this is obviously a really bad dream that is just not going away or anything. Well, I was able to fall back asleep and I wake up in the morning and I go into the bathroom and 
I, I'm looking for the lump again, and I find it again. Chris is getting ready to go back out to the field, and I ran into the kitchen, and I said, I need you to feel something. And he just looks at me like, are you kidding me, Kelsey? Like, after everything we've been through yesterday, now there's more. So I said, you need to feel my left boob. Like, there's something There's something there. And he's like, he's like, you're a fucking hypochondriac at this point. Like, there's nothing in your left boob. And so he felt it. He said, well, what could it be? Like a cyst? I said, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what it is. I'm not well-versed in this type of thing. He said, well, what do you want me to do? And I said, I don't, I don't know. You just go back out to the field for however many more weeks. And I guess I'll just call the doctor and see if I can get in and get it checked out. So I did. Um, we also Googled it, which is scary and stupid. Just stay away from Google. Um, cause Google already diagnosed me. So that was like, okay, great. Um, I finally followed up with my doctor and I think I went in like two weeks after I found my lump and he, I went in and I sat down and he asked, you know, what, what was I concerned with? And I said, well, I had a dream. And that's when I say it's crazy. Like he looked at me like, this bitch is crazy. What? You had a dream? I said, no, really. I had a dream that I had breast cancer and I found a lump. And he was like, okay, well, let's just set the dream side apart and let's, you know, figure out what's there. So he felt around and he felt the lump. He didn't look too concerned at that point until he just squeezed my nipple. I wasn't expecting it. I don't even think he was expecting it, but there was nipple discharge. This was something that Chris and I had read in our Google searches, um, but it wasn't green or any weird color like it says on Google. Um, He didn't even say a color or anything. I went home after the appointment and squeezed my own nipple and was like, what is this weird milky discharge? It was not like milk. I had been done breastfeeding for over a year, so there really shouldn't have been anything in there, but it was just this cloudy, weird color. That alarmed him, and he ordered a mammogram and an ultrasound to be done. When I set up the appointment for the mammogram, they said they could get me in within like three weeks. Let me just tell you, do not wait three weeks. You know, you need to advocate for yourself. If you have a gut feeling or a sickening feeling, just keep calling. Tell them you're not going to wait. Because at this point, it was two weeks since I found my lump and now three weeks that I was going to wait for a mammogram. So already here we are just like kicking the can down the road. Um, I went in for my mammogram and I was in a room full of like 10 to 12 women. It was like a cattle call. And one by one, these women went in and one by one, they went home. And I went in three different times and got nine different images done on my left breast And I was still sitting in that waiting room. At this point, I was waiting alone. And I text Chris and I said, I'm alone in here. Everyone else has gone home. They've been, they went in and they went out. I said, so what the fuck do you think that means? Well, what that meant was that the radiologist was very concerned of what he saw on the mammogram. So he brought me in for an ultrasound and at this point, I've had four kids. I, I, can, I can pick out a lot on an ultrasound. The mammogram, I had no idea what was what. But on the ultrasound, I immediately saw the tumor. Or they won't call it a tumor because they don't want to scare you like that. I saw the mass. And 
it just looked, it did look just weird. And there were all these little white dots surrounding the mass. And those were the calcifications that the radiologist was very concerned about. So he looked at me and just very matter of fact, he said, can you come in for a biopsy tomorrow morning at 8.30? And I thought, sure, sure, I'll come in. What else do I have to do at 8.30 tomorrow morning? Of course, I'll be here for a biopsy. I really had no idea what the biopsy procedure was going to be. It wasn't, it wasn't painful. They do numb you up. The first biopsy that I had was just a needle biopsy, and they went in, and the only part that was really not, not too painful but just alarming for me was that my tumor was right next to my nipple. So he hit a lot of nerves in my nipple that I was just like, oh, I've never felt anything like this before. Um, so we got the first biopsy done. He told me that you know, just not to try not to be too concerned or to just to try not to get too anxious about it because 80% of biopsies come back negative for breast cancer. So I was, I, for me, I was thinking I'm somewhere in this 20%. So we waited for the biopsy to come back and it came back inconclusive. So I'm like, what does that mean? Inconclusive for breast cancer. What it meant was that I needed to go back in and get another biopsy done. This biopsy was a core needle biopsy, which is a bigger needle and it's connected to like this vacuum suction thing where they can just suck out a larger sample. And I guess that's what we needed was just a much larger sample to definitively say, this is breast cancer. So I went back in about a week later and got the core needle biopsy done. Then it was just the waiting period for the pathology to come back. And I think that's probably the hardest part in all of this is the waiting. And so every time, you know, I would just would just sit by my phone and I would sit by my phone more than I already sit by my phone. And every time it would ring, my stomach would just fall into my butt and I just would not be able to breathe for a second thinking, okay, this is, this is it. This is when I'm going to be told. Well, I finally was told we were running errands and I had Chris pull over in an ACE parking lot and I jumped out of the car and it was my radiologist. He told me that they got the pathology back on the core needle biopsy and it was consistent with invasive ductal carcinoma. And I said, consistent with what, what does that mean? And he's, and he said, well, they want to, you know, do some more imaging. There's other tests that need to be done, but he said it looks like breast cancer. And I said, okay, well, in your 20 something years of being a radiologist, let's be real with me here. What is, what are you, what do you think? What is your percentage that I have breast cancer? And he said, in all the years I've been diagnosing women, He said, I'd say it's probably 98% chance you have breast cancer. He said, but that 2% chance just hold out hope. And I was like, fuck. Like, okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. I will hold on to my 2% of hope. And that that was when I knew that I needed to tell my family 
at that point, up until that point, I had just kind of been very vague with them. I had told them that I was going in for these things, but you know, 80% of biopsies come back negative and they had been online doing all their own research and just coming back with all these crazy statistics that I'm 30 years old. I breastfed all of my children. I'm active. I'm healthy. There's no history of breast cancer in my family. And so everybody's coming back saying, oh, you have a 0.005% chance of having breast cancer. And so everyone just thought it's so highly unlikely. But then these results came back. At that point, my radiologist had set me up with an appointment with a breast surgeon. I went in and I met this breast surgeon and I hated him. That is my next piece of advice. Find a team of doctors who you feel comfortable with who you feel like they care what happens to you next. This guy I met with, he didn't act like he had a care in the world. He kept asking me what my story was and, you know, that I'm maybe I'm jumping to conclusions and all this stuff. Just I just got such a sick feeling and I in that appointment I said, "You know what? This is this is not nope, this isn't going to work." And I went home and I started researching and trying to find my own doctor. That also scared my family because everybody is so far away. They all wanted me to move to all these other cancer clinics and just uproot my family. And I think that's what your family, they're so scared. That's their way of helping is like, let me do this. Let me do this for you. Let me find you the care. But somewhere in all my research over the months that I was going through this, I found a doctor here in Savannah who was doing great things as far as breast cancer surgery goes. And I immediately called his office and I said, please tell me you are accepting new patients. And the voice over the phone was so calming. And she said, we are. Can you please just get me all of your medical records and we can see you next week? I thought, oh, great. Perfect. So I got all my medical records and that is what brought me to that large conference room where he eventually diagnosed me with stage 2B, IDC, and DCIS. Um, But that was just kind of the start. There were so many pieces to the puzzle that we still had to put together. So when he did a breast exam and a physical exam, he felt the lymph node in my left arm, in my left armpit, there was a lymph node that was enlarged. And just three weeks prior to that, I had an MRI done and it showed no lymph node involvement. So in three weeks, I went from nothing being visibly seen to being physically able to feel an enlarged lymph node. That was also very concerning to them. They, you know, my, I was estrogen positive, progesterone positive, and HER2 positive. And they said that the cancer was very aggressive. So they needed to move. They wanted to move very quickly. And after I got diagnosed and they said those words, you have breast cancer, the entire room started moving very quickly. When I got diagnosed, I remember sitting there and I didn't cry. I felt so much anger. I was just so, I was just so angry that this was happening. I was also filled with so much anxiety because this is the first time I had left my kids with a babysitter. So I'm sitting there. Chris looks just defeated as soon as he hears those words. And all I, I looked over to him. I said, you got to get home to the kids. Like you need, just go home. And he was like, no, you know, I'm going to stay here. 
and, you know, go through all these tests with you. I said, I need you to go home. I need you to go home and be with our kids. I need you to text me. I need you to make sure that they're still there. Even though I had taken a picture of the license plate for the babysitter's car, I said, I just need you to go home at this point. So I was left at the hospital for the rest of the day. I had to get more ultrasounds done and blood work and all this other testing. Um, They set me up with a genetic counselor to get a genetic test done. And I was at the hospital for the rest of the day. Um, And I mean, it, it just, life just turned upside down in that moment. But I just, the fear, every, I don't know, everything doesn't set in the fear and everything set in much later for me. At that point, I was just like, I looked at my doctor and I said, how do we kill it? I wanted surgery first. I felt like just get this out of me. Don't let it grow anymore. Don't let it feed off of my body anymore. Just get it out. Um, But being her too positive meant that I needed to do chemo first to stop the spread. It was already in my lymph nodes. We knew that. Um, So I had to start chemo. But before I could do that, my breast surgeon pulled up the CT scan that I had done in the emergency room months before. What he saw on the CT scan was there was a mass on my liver. When he told us that, we, and I say we, Chris and I, we, we just crumbled. We thought, like, it's, it has already spread to my liver. Like, we didn't know. So before I could start any type of treatment, we needed to figure out what was on my liver. So I had to go through more testing, more CTs, more MRIs, more ultrasounds, finally meeting with a liver specialist who said that, you know what, whatever is on your liver, we have bigger fish to fry right now. And that was breast cancer. So, you know, we didn't want to do a biopsy on my liver because we needed to schedule me to get my port placed before, you know, I could start chemo. And there were so many other things we needed to do that they just felt like even though the liver spot was concerning the breast cancer was more concerning. So that's kind of where we went at that point. This was all just days after being formally diagnosed with breast cancer. I was really anxious to get to my appointment with my oncologist to sit down and see what the next steps of treatment were, but everything got put on halt when Hurricane Irma decided that she was going to come to Savannah and we were evacuated. So all cancer treatment plans were put on pause. 